Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that wonders why there hasn't been an all-gay tribute act to the Norwegian black metal scene called Gayhem, and thinks it should probably start one for itself, uh, even if that might add an uncomfortable interpretation to the song Freezing Moon. Uh, could you imagine the fun we would have coming up with black metal gay pseudonyms? That's very good. I like that one. Um, I used to, one I used to own a cocktail bar, um, was like planning a sort of gay night and trying to sort of turn all the cocktail names to a sort of gay pun as well. So I like this idea. We should definitely do that. I mean, the, the best I've come up so far is a play on uh, Necro Butcher, Necro Butcher from Mayhem, uh, which is Necro Bugger. Um, but I'm sure there are much better out there. Yeah, I mean, tune in next week and uh, I'm sure we'll have some more for you. <laughs> yes, I mean, if you do have any suggestions, please, please do get in touch. We're on all the social media, Twitter, Insta, Facebook. Don't be shy. We will um, accept all, like, f- all good, funny suggestions that you can come up with. Uh, to start this properly, though, this is episode 22 of Hellbent for Metal, the LGBT plus heavy metal podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, and from the stats, I know some people must be, uh, thank you very much for checking us out. I am Tom Dare, and with me is the half of the podcast who may not know his WAV files from his AACs, but definitely knows his in waves from his ACDCs, Mr. Rat, Matt Rustin. <laughs> How's the last complete... Oh, I'm glad you like that one. How's the last completely <laughs> mental seven days been treating you? Yeah, it has been a bit mental. I've been busy as fuck, and then yesterday I was ill as fuck, so I don't really know where the fuck I am right now. So this could be a lot of fun. This could be an interesting one. This could uh, <laughs> be you trying to go, what the fuck are we talking about? Where are we? What's metal again? <laughs> um, but you know, also the the small matter of us having some um, national media attention, which was um, quite astonishing. Yeah, <laughs> um, a little bit mental. Yeah, um, if if you are joining us because you read about us in the Guardian, hello, welcome. I'm not normally this camp, but yeah, you know, I kind of feel I have to play up to it occasionally. Before we get st- started, though, a couple of weeks back we promised you a camp classic special on Snarter Arctica's Larger Than Life because we tried to do one in a regular slot and it was just like we've got so much here, this is too much. Um, well, this should, if all goes well, finally be out this coming thursday which is april the 7th for anyone who's not sure when they've downloaded it uh and that will be available via all your usual podcast apps don't need to go looking for it it should just if you're a subscriber you should just have it appear in your um in your app as normal uh this will be in addition to the regular pod so there'll still be an episode out as normal next monday which is spoiling you with more hbfm uh so keep an ear out for that because uh that should be fabulous uh, you are properly looking forward to this one i presume yeah, mate, honestly, I think this is, like, my favourite thing that you've introduced me to. This song is fucking brilliant, so should be a good one. It, it, and it is brilliant, and it's also so camp, so um, we've got yeah, I mean, so it's much absolutely to talk perfect about. for us. Yeah, it's, it's like, could, is there possibly a more us song in the world? No? Challenge? I really don't think so. That's a challenge to the metal community, <laughs> write a song that's more us than this. Uh, speaking of camp classics, though, this is where we begin this week. The camp classic, for anyone who's uh, just joining us for the first time, uh, is where we take a work of metal that spoke to us as queers and we explain why. Uh, and this week I do need a disclaimer that we're cheating horribly and including something we know isn't, strictly speaking, metal. But the band were a metal band up to the record before the one this song's off. Um, and we both fucking love them, so screw it. This week we are talking about Leprous's absolutely brilliant song, From the Flame, from their 2017 masterpiece, Melina. You might be able to tell from this intro that I quite like them. Uh, Matt, I'm not going to waste time pretending I don't already know you fucking love them. Uh, (laughs) Why for you are Leprous just so sodding fantastic? Yeah, like Leprous are probably like in my top 
10 bands of all time. Just the song structures are quite something. Uh, but like each individual member as well is basically a fucking guru at their craft. You know, Einar's vocals are unbelievable. He is one of the best singers you will ever hear. Um, and live as well, they are somehow even better than they are on record. Like the, the sort of extensions to the, that they do on the songs, everything. It's they're fucking unbelievable band. Are you basically saying that they are like Dream Theater if James Labrie was about ten times as good as he actually is? Yeah, I mean that's not a bad shout, really. And if they had an internal editing process. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm not sure. I don't know why I've just suddenly decided to shit on Dream Theater. It's just that that's always the thing that Dream Theater fans say about their favourite band. Yeah. I mean, they could have probably done with a bit of editing on Bilateral, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. They were like 12 when they wrote that album, so, you know, I think we can excuse them having some TV. Yeah, problems. but Tall Poppy Syndrome was before that, and I fucking love that record. Yeah, well, that was when they were primary school. <laughs> You know, it's like no one criticizes Trivium for like for <laughs> young mistakes that were made on Ascendancy, and there are a couple of ropey things about Ascendancy. So I, I really find it very difficult to start st- sticking the knife into Leprous on on that second album. Even though I have to, I do think it wasn't really until Cole that they kind of started to really shine through as as great songwriters rather than just great musicians. Because they were always great musicians, but it was just can mm-hmm. you turn that into something that's really interesting? And the answer was yes um anyway this is um kind of we're we're both just agreeing about why this band are awesome that's not really why they're being spoken about it just helps on to from the flame i I mean i presume you love this as well matt but why do you think it's camp well sort of given how much i love leprous i was really hoping to be able to come and sort of you know give a ted talk on how this song speaks to me in a queer way but um i don't really have much which makes me very sad um, I mean, the only sort of thing from a queer perspective, which I could say, which, you know, I don't want to because it's quite crass, but it's just that they are the most fucking beautiful group of musicians in the world. But that's not really related to this song. <laughs> if anyone needs Matt, he's just going to rush off to Norway and just admire Honestly. the men. Um, I mean, I don't blame him. He's got a point. But that is not that isn't why I'm, I'm talking about this, I promise. Uh, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't even really noticed leprous that much maybe i'm just not been paying attention they're just a, they're the kind of band where i just i just respect them too much as, as musicians to even consider that you know it'd be like kind of be like perving at a concert violinist it's just, it's just yeah i know what you wrong. mean or like or like fancying fancying your teacher yeah true i respect i know a lot as a vocalist but i also respect him enough as a looker to probably bottom for him which you know i can't say for many people so well, well there was me thinking we weren't going to be oversharing in this particular episode. <laughs> okay um i, I f- the reason i find this quite camp is that it basically speaks to me about how empowering embracing who you are is like the the whole song basically seems to me to be saying you know taking stuff that's thrown at you and then using that to really identify who you are and be proud of that um maybe i'm completely barking up the wrong tree i never really know what they're talking about so i'm probably completely wrong but this is my what i say and it's 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 the main refrain in particular that does it it's you know you'll find me here when i'm gone where i made my surrender uh from the flame i'll take my aim and like there's loads of, of lyrics like that where it seems to be sort of saying these these what's has been tried to use to break me down will make me strong again and it just that to me just sounds like being kind of proud about of who you are and 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 taking confidence from it and how strong it makes you feel yeah i get that um i think yeah on this song but like you said also with quite a few of their others 
um lepers do write some quite ambiguous lyrics which you know we've spoken before can often be a good thing because yeah (laughs) but uh can often be a good thing because then you can sort of have your own interpretation more so um yeah i mean i get that i was sort of trying to put my own spin on the lyrics but i'll be honest this song for me uh, i think the more sort of camp element is probably the music sort of thing like you said they were a metal band up until this point uh and this was this the lead single from melina or was that i'm stuck? pretty sure it, it was either this or stuck i think this was the lead video even if stuck might have yeah. come out first yeah because obviously this was really jarring and i'll be honest i hated this song when i first heard it i mean you know as it starts with the chorus with, with like sort of an acapella vocal almost and it's like almost it's almost like a pop chorus but sort of really warped um and i think it sounds pretty jarring and then like to when the verses come in but that sort of really bombastic sort of pop element i think is where i get the sort of more camp stuff from this but i mean i can see your point with the lyrics yeah i see what you mean actually with the the there is definitely a pop element to the vocals right like uh, it's like much more virtuoso than pop but in terms of the the sensibility it's much more it's it's something that would suit an X Factor contestant an awful lot more than a metal singer would necessarily. Yeah. But that's possibly why it's so infectious, right? It's it's much more immediate than you might expect. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I fucking love this record. Um, but this is probably the only song on it which you could say would be like a hit sort of thing. Like this is definitely the single. Like that chorus is undeniable. This a weight of disaster where he just comes in with pray to the master and it's just it, i'm not even going to try and sing it so <laughs> high but it's it's that is kind of that's the other pop bit of it and it's actually interesting just before we get get back to white's camp the the thing that i find found slightly confusing about pitfalls when it first came out which is the album after was that it didn't really have any of this and i was mm-hmm. saying going oh where is it and it was much much more challenging as a result as a result even if I can speak, um, it really did take some focus to kind of get what they were doing. You really had to concentrate, and if you did, it was just as good. It's a brilliant record, but it, it, they were asking more of you. This, it sounded like, yeah, we want to have some fun. We like aha too. You know, it's not, it's yeah. not just, it's not just Ishan who likes aha. We like it aha yeah. too. Um, exactly. And uh, and obviously they've got a long association with Ishan, so it's, it's perhaps inevitable that they should both both like the same pop bands. But it's not just the pop element for me. I think it really there is something about a lot of the lyrics that seem to speak about you know how, what it feels like to really have embraced who you are and to be feel freed by that to make you feel kind of ten feet tall when you'd kind of been hiding. I mean, it might necessarily even be hiding in a closet. It could just you know you could be out, but not necessarily confident yet because you know there is yeah. there is that kind of period where you're out but you might not necessarily have fully yeah, that weird stage. <laughs> yeah but also it's it's like really easy to kind of fall back into that if you find yeah. yourself in an uncomfortable situation and i kind of this to me feels like the sense of kind of how it how empowered it feels to be able to kind of talk about who you are in your life and not care about what anyone thinks and not to worry about the you know what's going to happen to you or to be able to snog a guy in public and not worry that someone's going to hit you I and mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. it, that kind of feeling is is what i 
I get from it. And it's kind of that movement from unsure and hesitant to certain has a kind of a real huge sense of strength that comes with it. And this just reminds me of that. Yeah. No, I get that. And obviously, you know, you're putting onto that, but like you said as well, this could be sort of uh sort of anything, anyone who's sort of marginalized or is sort of ashamed of anything, you know, it's about embracing who you are and sort of being empowering. And I think with the chorus being so fucking huge, it that's backed up by that as well. Like it feels really powerful. It feels like you're on top of the world and can conquer anything. And you know, the line you'll find me here when I'm gone, um, it's sort of like you know, this is this is going to be my legacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, no one can sort of take away from me what I've done here when I've finally decided to sort of embrace myself and, you know, fuck you if you don't like it. It could also even be, this is where you, you know, you'll find the real me once I've left the old one behind. That's mm-hmm. another way of interpreting it. That without kind of wanting to start accidentally conforming to stereotypes, there is also a bit of me that makes me think, yeah, this is quite gay, which is that... There's there is a uh, a, a a thing that some gay men have, which is we can be quite snarky and quite sassy, and it's not in a kind of not just in a, a fabulous way. We just kind of a bit quick of the wit and sharp of the tongue, and it's I swear it's because we're so used to getting flamed ourselves or as to hearing comments about people like us that we kind of we learn to shoot back a little bit. And that this you know, as a defense mechanism. And when you have lyrics like shed a tear, say no more, and or you tell me when silent stabs are echoing again, you know, I kind of think that's kind of what it feels to, to be under a, under attack. But then, you know, from the flame, I'll take my aim. Makes you think mm, that's kind of being, yeah, being fighting the, back. Yeah, being the kind of we're going right. You you, you want to call us a fag? We're going to be snarky. <laughs> Here we come. Yeah. You know, mm. Maybe it's just me reading too much, and you know, maybe that's an unhelpful stereotype. But I, I certainly noticed that in myself. Like moving out, I became much more of a bitch. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um. So just, I'm not speaking for all of us. I'm speaking for me. Yeah. Sure. Oh, well, I mean, that's what these are at the end of the day, isn't it? You know. Again, we're not saying that this leprosong is anything to do with homosexuality. It's just how it speaks to us. So yeah. of course, you're gonna have your own interpretation. Yep, and mine is that it's basically a song about finding your inner fierce. Uh, but that's, I think that's probably from The Flame, given its explanation. Uh, we can have another Camp Classic lined up for you next time, as well as the special coming up this week. We sashay fiercely once again into the Hate Grew Gay Bar. This is the gay metal bar we've set up where the jukebox is full of all your favourites already. Uh, but we keep needing to add to it to prevent me from just playing Maystitium songs all bloody night. Uh, so each week we pick something we're nuts on and add it to the jukebox. This week, Matt's really let the fucking side down. His pick is neither French nor weird. Matt, what have you let yourself become? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, this week I've brought in... Null. Uh, Null are a self-described death grind band from Memphis, Tennessee, and this is their debut album called Interstice or Interstice. Um, and can we and just say I, there is no there is nowhere in the world which is more automatically gay than Memphis because of Cher, right? Walking in Memphis <laughs> just immediately makes me go, "Yes, hello, you, my people." I know it's like not gay country at all, but it's the moment I have Memphis and Tennessee. I'm just thinking about putting on my blue suede shoes shoes blue suede shoes and boarding the plane and touch, touching well, down in the last of forever 
to the sound of the pouring rain. Sorry, I've gone off the okay. tangent. Carry yeah. on. As fair as that is, Noel does not sound like Cher. Um, She's th- I mean, the one downside to them. <laughs> I've literally seen no one talking about this album, which is criminal because it's fucking brilliant. Um, Hellbent for Metal, in fact, has gone full circle here because I have to give props to my predecessor, uh, Joan On, who apparently told you about this album, who yes. then told me about this album, and now I'm bringing it in. So shout out that man. Yes, Joan On, formerly of this parish, recommended this to me on Twitter, and I think he had it recommended to him by. Uh, Becky Laverty as well, who is excellent. So uh, that's kind of there is a, a a certain amount of um, incestuousness going on in the um, in the uh, recommendation for this. Um, it, he was right, obviously. Yeah. This is great. This what's, is great. What's making you? What's in particular though is making you put put it in the jukebox. What's kind of really yeah. making this go wow? So Gatecreeper. Um, with an unexpected reality is still one of my releases of the year. My problem with that is it's too short. Um, This, I feel, has a lot of similarities to that record. You know, a bunch of sort of short blasts of grind to begin with, uh, longer sort of more deathy songs towards the end. You know, it's double the length. There's a lot more, which I'll come to. And frankly, I think this is better than that Gatecreeper record. I am fucking in love with this. Um, I mean, Tom, I'm not alone here, am I? I know that. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you might be on your own saying it's as good as the Gatekeeper release. That's a big, big call. Um, this, like, I get what you're saying. Gatekeeper are much more straight up. Like the line mm-hmm. between Gatekeeper and Insect Warfare is is not all that long. Like it's it's not saying it's just kind of tribute act or anything. But there's kind of it's it's grind, right? It's grindcore. Yeah. And then the song at the end is kind of doomy death metal with grindy bits. And it's it's this really clever mixture of the two this is way more out there and experimental and you know there's uh, yes there's lots of of grind but there's also really fucking crushing doomy bits as well that are kind of horrible nasty i keep using words that basically remind me of filth um it's definitely one for full of hell fans right like it's yeah, absolutely yeah. in that world especially like the, the first four songs on this which are only total about seven minutes in length between them uh, like they feel like they could be one song and i mean that in the most sort of positive complementary way that you know there's not a second of space between songs nor in the songs themselves it's so abrasive uh you don't really get a chance to catch your breath throughout the whole of that you know some of the riffing and some of the lead lines in fact as well lower in the mix some of which are really quite mathy as well um something which i'm not usually into at all it's just really inventive i think for a genre like this that can sometimes get sort of too complacent in focusing on the really horrible vocals and the sort of pace instead of actually writing good parts you know there's none of that here and also there's an awful lot of bands that are just kind of happy to rewrite no problem death songs for 20 years mm-hmm, exactly like we need to have bands who are doing their own thing as well and this kind of it's so foul it's unsettling and atonal yeah, and it's horrible it's just it, like it's it's really putrid it feels like they've hooked a fire engine up to a slurry tank and have turned the hoses on you it's horrific but it's yeah. like it's really emotive it's not just kind of it's not just oh this is rancid and i can't tell what's going on there are actually songs there it's just it makes yeah. you feel like you need a bath yeah i always love talking about records like this um because all the words we're using to describe it, you know, nasty, filthy, horrible. You know, if anyone who doesn't listen to this sort of music was to tune in, they'd be like, why are you telling us about this then if it's so bad? And it's like, no, it's nasty and horrible in a fucking good way. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the fifth track, uh, Grass, is one of my favourites. That was the sort of first track where I realised it was actually a new song. Um, it's slower, but there's still like no space. It feels really 
sort of claustrophobic almost because there's you know yeah, there's drone notes on the bass all throughout there's feedback from the guitar all throughout the intro and they're just general gnarliness it's like completely suffocating and i love that towards the end of that song as well it goes fully into what the fuck is going on sort of vertigo injuries and territory that i usually don't really get on with but this just completely captivated me yeah it's it's cathartic right it's not just kind mm. of it doesn't just make you feel completely dirty there is a point to it i think the one downside mm. to it is that it is extremely hard work and i am going to have to be in the right mood to even consider li- listening to it it's really? not just one for any old night in hcgbs it is properly it needs you to be <laughs> in the moment gate creeper i just feel like i can stick on anytime i feel you know i want to feel like my pa- face is being pummeled this i'm yeah, gonna I feel like to... that with this oh really oh well that's good yeah oh so you're gonna you are definitely gonna have this higher up your album of the year albums of the year so. list than me yeah yeah i mean if you want to hear more about this then check back in with us in december because i'm sure that i will be talking about it again but you know one last thing what i also love about this record is the you know like the couple of sort of almost interlude pieces um which let you breathe at least but only you know shallow and quiet breaths because the atmosphere is still there that you sort of feel like someone is going to jump out and murder you at any second um one of those in particular is uh what goes into i think the best song on the record inherent of life that fucking riff man like the groove on it and the swagger it's like a sped up down cross with like gajira if they'd been listening to corrosion of conformity i fucking love that song that's probably the best place to win it on just let you gush about that um because <laughs> if we don't move on quite soon we're gonna need a shower just from talking about it uh but uh, yeah irrespective of our own cleanliness interstice by Noll is in the jukebox now uh my pick this week is a bit of an unusual one uh although if it is an opportunity for me to fail miserably miserably at speaking bits of a european language so regular listeners might feel it's right at home um this record is a German and German language uh, melodic black and death metal record about World War One. Uh, friend of the pod, James Hausted, this is definitely one for you. Uh, the band is called Kanonenfieber, which is German for Cannon Fever, and the album's called Menschenmühle, which means human grinder, apparently. Uh, and it's bloody great. Uh, Matt, how's this gone down with you? Have, have, are you enjoying this as much as I clearly am? I like this a lot, but first off, can I ask you where the fuck did you find this? Because I've Bandcamp. not seen this anywhere. It's Bandcamp. It's one of those you look. People are buying this on Bandcamp. Check it out. Right. Things that you know, if you check in with Bandcamp occasionally, you will mm. you will get something like that. And a lot of the time, it will tell you something that you heard about a year ago that you've already got. And sometimes it will spit out something which like three people have have bought, but they're three people who are on your friends list, so it's telling you yeah. to pay attention or something like that. Fair it enough. was it was literally just someone said this was good on Bandcamp, and I went. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, so there's an album for me that will come out every so often that grows on me sort of exponentially. It's something that on first listen I can be like, yeah, this is quite good, but it's nothing worth writing home about. Uh, but I keep going back to it for whatever reason and end up falling in love with it. This is that for me um, for this sort of period of time. I Yeah, I'm completely sort of head over heels for this right now. Excellent. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? So to give you a kind of an idea of, of what it is, it's it is essentially a it's not a kind of concept album into it, which 
tells a story. It's just a concept band. Like the, there is a very specific theme, which is that mm-hmm. the lyrics are all based on factual accounts and letters home from the front in World War One from yeah. the German point of view, um, interspersed with uh, contemporary recordings. I'm reliably informed that one of them is is Paul von Hindenburg, who is kind of technically the commander in chief of the latter half of the war for the Germans, um, and it's it used ironically. I right? um I you need to kind of say that there's anyone who knows the kind of history of world war one commemoration in germany knows that it was used shall we say not necessarily well after the war and in in the run-up to the unpleasantness of the 30s and 40s um this is none of that at all this is not glorifying in any way it's saying this is was an awful war which was horrible and killed people in huge numbers and it's terrible and i'm trying to make music which reminds you of that so it is really kind of foul in terms of its atmosphere Mm -hmm. but it's actually musically really quite melodic and infectious a lot of the time it is um the riffing on this is sublime and in parts it almost feels out of place like, but in a good way, because uh, it, it sort of feels too good to be on something so underground. Yeah. Uh, the riffing on the, the second track, uh, Dicker Berber, sounds, yeah, it's like too accomplished to be on an underground, you know, Black Death record. Uh, it feels like an arena crushing riff. Again, with uh, In's Niemandsland, uh, that's a huge song. When I hear songs that sound destined to be massive and see they have 1,936 plays on Spotify, it does make me a little bit sad. Are they actually on Spotify now? Because when I got this, it wasn't on Spotify. I saw this recommended and went looking for it on Spotify for a try before you buy and couldn't Mm -hmm. find it. So I ended up uh, getting it um, basically off like listening to two songs. Um, It is now on Spotify. You're right. Um, It is, yeah. But... uh, 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 Dicker Berta, as you say, which is Big Bertha, I think. Uh, is that right? Or is that wrong? I can't remember. Don't know. Uh, that's that's good, but it's the where it really, for me, takes off is is uh, Die Schlacht bei Tannenberg, which means the Battle of yes. Tannenberg. Uh, that has a proper fucking chorus and a riff to go riff yes. with it, right? Even though it has a chorus, even though I don't speak the language, and it sounds incredibly putrid. Which is hard mm-hmm. work. It to to do that mixture of horrible and catchy at the same time. A grab and leader, which means trench songs, has has a really kind of rising, memorable lead in it. But and it's you think this is really catchy, but it never loses sounding horrible. You never left feeling yeah. less than uncom- slightly uncomfortable. No. Because as much as it's a it's kind of it's a popular story. It's involved millions of people. It's not some niche little thing. But it's 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 so horrible it kind of needs that grotty metal edge to to to, to do it justice yeah um on dishlight day uh dishlight by tannenberg as well the um some of the clean guitars all over this but on that as well are really quite beautiful and yeah. really help i think create the atmosphere of you know the horrors of war that this album is trying to achieve um you know there's cleans in that song over one of the speeches and it just works really well for me on you know, do it from one extreme to the other. The song on the album here, the best song on the album here, is Der Letzte Flug. Jesus Christ. The production on the sort of plane noises in the intro, along with the guitar and bass, is genuinely breathtaking. It makes you feel like you could actually be in the battlefield witnessing what's going on. You know, the tremolo picking on those verses as well. And then it goes into a fucking disco part. Like, it's steady now. That's, 
Oh come on, it is. That's a fucking disco fart. It's got <laughs> it's it's got a it's got a a, a danceable rhythm. I wouldn't say it's, it's disco. <laughs> it's still foul. Yeah, oh, I love that. It's amazing. For me, I think the the Die Schlacht by Tannenberg might be the best song. Uh, it, though you mentioned Ins Niemandsland, which means in no man's land, obviously. Um, the the reason I think that might be might run it very close is that that manages to sound like a tank attack without sounding like bolt thrower or at least not much hmm. you know which is kind of I didn't think was really possible anymore I'm so used to hearing <laughs> bands that sound like a tank attack yeah, uh, charging going going it's bolt thrower like even Vader tried it once and even they managed to sound like bolt thrower a little bit which is it's really strange um, and it's just it it really captures for me how awful what they're talking about is in a way that has no glorifying, no nationalist bollocks, no kind of we want to bring back the Kaiser shite. It's just focusing on the experience of the soldiers. And the music matches the theme. And it's so powerful as well as having great riffs. I mean, it does have great riffs. It's really like, oh, cool, this is really good metal record. But it's not just that. There's more to it. No, exactly. Like all of the, all, you know, these songs could be without the theme and without the sort of extra production of, like I said, the play noises and the stuff that lets you know what it is about, and it would still be just a fucking great record. Yeah, and uh, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what they can do with that because this is their first album, so mm-hmm. I've no idea if there's going to be more, but I would really hope so because this is killer. But I think that's probably enough on that one because by terrible german is probably in in danger of sparking a diplomatic diplomatic incident uh mention muller by canon fieber is in the joke box now i should need to thank as well uh, regular listener miriam has helped me out with some of the more subtle interpretation of this to make because obviously i saw this and went is this a bit is this a bit proto-nazi because like the proto-nazis were really kind of obsessed with world war one and they she just completely set my mind at rest and saying no it's definitely not it's none of that and all i needed someone who was german to <laughs> help me with the nuances so thank you to her um but while we will have more cool music for you next monday for this week that's tight at the hate crew gay bar that means time We finished this week with a new item which I've called Moshed in Translation because apparently I have decided I like puns now. Uh, this is where we take something from metal, uh, a song, a band, an album, whatever we like, uh, that means something rather different if you're familiar with gay slang. Um, and having just staggered blinking out of the Hate Crew gay bar carrying our heels, we're going straight into another Children of Bottom thing uh, because the first Moshed in Translation is... Children of Bottom's second album, Hate Breeder, from 1999. Uh, Matt, remind me, are you a Bottom fan? Um, oh, I feel like you're going to hate me, as are most of our listeners. I've really tried with Children of Bottom. I've really tried. Um, I don't know what it is. Like, they're one of those rare bands that I just don't get, but I don't even know what it is that I don't like about them. Like, it's, it's, again, it's not that I actively dislike them, but they just don't click with me. Is it that there aren't enough symphonics? That you want more keyboards? I feel like you might be being sarcastic. Uh, possibly, but the, knowing <laughs> knowing you, it might actually turn out to be true. Uh, I don't know, man. I, like, honestly, I literally can't place it. I know I've said this before. I fucking love Bodom. I'm, I'm. We're not going to fall out of this. It's fine. It's. I just. I think they were wonderful. That kind of the way they married really kind of extreme metal. You know, the melodic end of extreme metal, and then mashed in massively over the top Euro metal with those like oh, when they started doing the overdriven keyboards. Uh, that combined with all the technic- technicality, I just thought that was so fucking good. Um, that's not why we're talking about them. Though. 
for anyone who is kind of wondering where the hell I'm going with this, uh, <laughs> breeder is gay slang for straight folks. Partially because you guys sprog, and I won't, at least not just by having sex with my boyfriend, I won't anyway. It's not a nice word. It's intended to be the same kind of slur that straight for straight people that fag is towards people like me. And it only partially caught on, but you did enough that you still occasionally see it. Before we start talking about the, the fun side of this thing, I should probably ask you, Matt, how do you feel about the word in general? Yeah, I mean, I don't like it. Like, it is a derogatory term, you know? It's not nice because you know some straight people are you know asexual are infertile you know there's another variety of reasons that they don't breed so i think that sort of is not a nice word and i think we as you know gays or bi's or whatever can be twats a lot of the time you know we can't fucking give it but not take it oh god that was <laughs> that was unexpectedly sexual. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was. Uh, you know what I mean. That was that was not what you intended to mean. I do know what you mean. I I agree. I mean, I don't. One, I never think it helps to fight fire with fire. If you fight fire with no. fire, you just end up with a bigger fire. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, but uh, there are other reasons. It's I really don't like it. One, it's not accurate. Some gay cis folk have kids the old-fashioned way, even if not with their same gender mm-hmm. partner, but yeah, well. yeah. they can. It's trans exclusionary, really. It plenty of trans folk can and do have kids with their same gender partners uh excludes bi folk bi people have kids all the time that mm-hmm. this apparently in, accuses them of being breeders they're still part of the lgbt community uh mm-hmm. even if none of those things were true it's it's just it's i don't really think it helps to have slurs it doesn't help anyone no exactly just use nice words for people fuck's sake it's not that hard yeah um and they're you know they're far funnier things that you can come up with than just this if you really wanted to make jokes at the mm. expense of um, your boring old cishet folks. Uh, I'm kidding. I don't think <laughs> you're boring at all. Um, that said, all that said, serious bit done. In this context, it's really fucking funny because you can just imagine an angry young gay metal band saying, oh, I just hate breeders with your boring heterosexual relationships and your boring pubs and your terrible fashion sense. Like, you can imagine them sitting down and writing an album called Hate Breeder and just having just... And it, it's just knowing that word has always meant I've looked at this album and gone... That's a bit funny. <laughs> am, I, am, I the, am I completely out on limb there or is there actually some humour in this? No, I mean, I... I never sort of picked up on that before but i think with not being a bonus fan like oh you obviously know i don't, well, I don't know is this one of their big albums no it's their second record it's right. it's really good it's kind of it's the start of the bottom sound that kind of made them big like the first album yeah. was this really weird wacky thing that kind of doesn't really it, it's very much a young band trying some shit hate breeder was where you kind of start to hear what becomes needle 24 7 and stuff like that so it's it's the start of them becoming the best version of themselves but i wouldn't say it's in the top five records it's right. probably about yeah safe. no because like i said would not be a fan um i don't know all their record titles but obviously they're a big enough band that i knew a few of them but yeah this wasn't one that i'd heard of so i'd never obviously put that together before um but yeah i mean i can i can i can see that and i do think it would be quite hilarious <laughs> yeah i mean it it thankfully hate breed doesn't work because it, it breed is not a um as far as i'm aware it's not a, a similar kind of slur but breeder it's just it, it's just it's just typical that the uh the, the finnish band would unintentionally come up with something quite sexual isn't it yeah i mean you know 
obviously Alexi's gone now, but put this, put your interpretation to the rest of Children of Bedroom, and I'd uh, like to hear their responses. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to do it in person. I mean, I obviously that's not what they were saying. I just think it's funny that it kind of, in, in, if you filter the gay slang interpretation in, it suddenly makes it sound like you know this album is about hating straight folks. It doesn't, mm. and that's definitely not what it's about. It's in the same context of hate breed. It is hate breeding the hate. Um, I just, it's quite funny, isn't it? If you, if it was inverted, right? If it was a slur against us, lot, like, it would be incredibly not funny and offensive, because it doesn't mean that. This yeah. is this is funny. It's because it doesn't mean that that the humour derives. It's because it's an unintentional thing because the vernacular is different. Yeah, exactly. You know, not just not just a language barrier, but also a sort of LGBT barrier. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine though, like uh, walking into the hate crew gay bar and hearing hate breeder? It's. We should probably make sure this this uh, <laughs> this album isn't in the jukebox because people might think. Are you sure you want to say that? Are you tr- are you being a bit exclusionary there, there Tom? <laughs> um, which is you know definitely not what we're doing. Uh, I kind of really regret the fact that this kind of stuff was not really something that has ever been able to put to bands because there's a load of of things where I would go, did you know that slang? But because that's this isn't really a discussion that we've been able to have until this podcast started. Yeah, like the the idea that there are th- lyrical themes and lyrical words that different members of the metal community might, you know, there might be different interpretations based on who you are. That's not really a new thing. But this particular set is just something that's never been talk talked spoken yeah. about. So for me to have kind of this to be looking at words like this and going. <laughs> while everyone else is kind of going, well, I don't get it. It's just metal in it. It's something that we haven't really been able to speak about until recently. Yeah. So it's partially why I, want to, why I want to chat to you about it. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we've got quite a few ideas for these sort of things. And I think it would be quite interesting to... Yeah, it, we'd have to be quite careful about it and, you know, let the guests know what they're in for before we got them on. But I think it could be quite an interesting one to do with, uh, like, if we got people on that was, you know, a part of that band and sort of have that discussion with them. We have another one of these lined up for a few weeks' time. We are going to do these as regularly as I, I can think them up because you know, I, I'm i sure there are some quite funny ones out there and I just need to find them. Um, it's annoying that there aren't more bands who've, who've used Twink in a... Uh, a the only, as far as I can remember, the only entry of Twink in a song on Metal Archives is uh, by Floor, which is Steve Brooks' band before he was in Torch, and I'm absolutely sure he's not an accidental reference in the slightest, so that's not funny. Um, Didn't you also find one by a band called Cuntley? Yes, I think I did. That's a good point. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I that was I'm um, I I can't believe I didn't remember that because that's kind of <laughs> that's not the kind of thing that you're likely to forget. No, quite. Um, uh, if anyone is listening who's uh, familiar with the the music of Cunt Cuntly, um, please do keep it to yourself. Um, because uh, I, I I you know you shouldn't judge a, a book by its cover, but I'm just guessing from the name that one might not be for me. Uh, Floor definitely are. They're really good. I, I guess the thing that I kind of, I find myself teetering towards is that there's a whole load of kind of st- bits of our lives as as members of the LGBT community that often has we've had to kind of keep hidden from a lot of the rest of metal because like our metal friends wouldn't understand if we start talking about you know twinks and otters and 
jock. Well, they might get yeah. jock, but you know, if we, if we start using terms like that and breeder and um, you know, various, if, if you if you we start talking about topping and bottoming, they might just start saying, "What the hell are you talking about? That sounds <laughs> that sounds quite dirty." Yeah, it is. Um, but you know that that kind of thing is kind of something that we kind of seem to have had to keep hidden. And on the one hand, I this vernacular wouldn't exist if we didn't need to have a way to communicate that we can kind of do in public without being anyone understanding. Uh, kind of in the same way that, you know, teenagers lo- learn a vernacular of their own so that their parents don't know what they're talking about. But I kind of felt, do we, should we still need it? Can't we just, uh, do we do we still need to be here? Uh, yeah, I agree with your point. I think um, it's about just all being able to use the same terms and know what each other means. You know, there shouldn't be that divide between, you know, LGBT folks and, you know, even if it's allies, even if, like, I'm not talking about people who are homophobic or whatever here, but, you know, a lot of LGBT LGBT allies will still not understand a lot of the terms that we'd be using. And, you know, I think not to, you know, blow smoke up our own ass, but that's, you know, sort of what we're, one of the things we're trying to achieve here sort of leveling the playing field and you know we know we have a lot of you know cishet literate uh, listeners who won't have been familiar with a lot of the sort of terms we used before this and it's just an education isn't it so we can all just be able to essentially what it boils down to get along better and understand each other better that's the dream i mean as much as i'd like to say oh we can achieve it t- together the reality is a podcast is not going to achieve that we we will get through to some people but podcast audiences are not in, never in the millions of listeners per episode right they just aren't they well joe rogan experience and the next one down's nowhere near and there's mm. kind of if you think how many mil- metal heads there are around the world there's something meant to be something like a million metal heads in the uk there's allegedly something like 25 to 30 in germany and you just go well we're not going to have that audience as much <laughs> as i'd really love to we're not going yeah. to so th- it it's not going to be us that really changed it. It's going to be more people being out. And that I think the the thing that will really help here is having people who are uh, either visible or who are active in their local circle and people can just meet. So that, you know, people who they can have a conversation with and, and particularly that they can be involved in a conversation with two of us. Because I, you know, if I've been a, like what is really noticeable that when I've been in groups of people where I'm the only gay person, it's quite rare for me to start talking about things directly relevant to me mm-hmm. in that sense. When I'm in a group of group where there are there is at least one other LGBT person, suddenly a load of the, those things will just come up in conversation because we will raise it with each other. Yeah. And that I you know, there was like one work drinks I went to where I'd been in the, that workplace for about a year, and it, there were, we'd had a, a temp join who was bi, and we like went for a, a, a drink as a group, and we just had a conversation that was just like us talking, and everyone around us suddenly started picking up a load of words that they'd never heard before, <laughs> right? Because there's a load of this stuff that just you know if you and a queer person's not going to raise this with you on their own and you're not going to know what to ask so it's never going to come up but if you overhear the conversation you guarantee that you're going to hear a load of this shit because it just it will come up and like that's kind of what i really would like 
metal to get to the point where enough people are out that people overhear those conversations that they can just pick up this terminology and know what it yeah. means and so that you know you don't have accident you don't accidentally have bands writing hate breeder <laughs> as as a yeah. song title and not and then 22 years later a podcast <laughs> going you know that's got another meaning don't you <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean i've had a lot of those experiences as well like pretty much 90 percent of my friends are straight and you know if i'm going to the pub with them and yeah i will often be like the only uh, lgbt the only gay now. in the village yeah yeah exactly um but yeah so like on the odd time that i'm not it is it is a completely different sort of way of having conversations isn't it it's yeah you don't feel like it's the same at all but you know just to sort of wrap up on the whole breeder thing um and sort of trying to level the playing field and just get everyone to understand each other better you know we have a responsibility as well to just not be using words like that like you said don't fight fire with fire we don't need our own fucking you know vernacular and as well as that we don't need our own fucking slurs I mean, it's we might need our own vernacular for some stuff, but what we yeah, don't yeah. need is our own slurs. Because you're right, that is really counterproductive. Like, there's some re- been some really good like neuropsychological research done on what actually causes people to change their mind and opinions and behaviours, and what the kind of the common theme is from everything that I've read is that if you want people to come around to your way of thinking, you need to find common ground. You need to think that you're basically on the same side. If they start feeling you're against them or that you're in opposition mm-hmm. to them, they will just kind of go, well, I'm on a, on a subconscious level, they'll go, I'm not sure that it's right that I pay attention to you. There is an animal instinct that will kick in that seems common in primates yep. that just goes, no, you're against me. Whereas if so, if we start using slurs, people just go, no, not interested in listening to you, mate. On the other hand, if they start having a conversation to us about, you know things that we find mutually interesting and agree on they might start realizing that oh maybe you're maybe the gays aren't quite as evil as i thought you were yeah exactly and not to go on off a massive tangent here but i that's why i always feel with stuff like really sort of hyperactive protesting of like veganism and stuff like that you know i'm veggie we've spoken about this off air but we've like we don't feel it's great to be so uh sort of attacking you know it is better to i think on all issues just try and find similarities rather than differences else you're going to push people away more it's very much noticeable that things that have caused me to change my eating habits and my food buying habits have been have not been people saying if you buy meat you're if you buy animal products you're evil it's people posting things that are sympathetic or or positive so things that's showing this look at this beautiful vegan dinner I've cooked, isn't it? De- it doesn't that look delicious? Now, yeah. obviously, it, dep- it completely then could depend on the food to actually not look like a bag of shit and not the person not to be a terrible cook. But like it, that is one thing. The more powerful stuff is this is the reality of what goes on in a chicken farm. If you're buying, if you buy chicken meat or eggs, this is what what is happening. You need to be comfortable with that because I'm not. Like and it's it's very much a I'm trying to reach out to your sympathetic side, not trying to attack you. And it's it is a similar kind of thing. We're now going to get a load of like radical vegans uh, attacking us and and saying we're we're monsters. Um, But um, yeah, it whatever your issue is, just telling people you're evil is not going to change it. Or not saying you're evil. Uh, No one has their mind changed by being called a cunt. 
exactly. It, uh, that doesn't change your mind. That makes you go, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you out of my." Um, yeah, I'm gonna prove your point. <laughs> yeah, you know, or to use the old phrase, you get more, f- you get more flies with honey than with vinegar. But we're now moving into uh, very different territories. I, th- I think we've probably had our fun with H- Hate Breeder. Uh, we will have another Moshtin translation, basically as often as I can find one, because I, I just find the ones that I know about quite funny. Uh, but that is all for this week's show. Uh, Matt, thank you as always. Yes, cheers, mate. Good show. Looking forward to next week's. Um, I don't know what my album is going to be yet, but we've got a really cool In My Kingdom Queer and a really cool Camp Classic. And the special should be coming, so keep your eyes peeled. We will see you more often. We will indeed. Uh, uh, but we will be back on Thursday and then again on Monday. Uh, but until then, listen to Noll, listen to Canon and Fieber, and remember, it does get better. Wir sehen uns. <laughs>